just uh, want to pray now that uh, you will uh, bring Jonathan as he comes and his message will inspire us and fill us uh, with that breath to know that you are one and only in God and Christ and that we can do all things in you. Uh, yeah, be with him now. Amen. In your name we ask these things. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to the verse that was read earlier. It's by no means going to be our only scripture today, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, starting there in verse 26. Um, <clears throat> because more than half of you were gone last week at the bubble run, uh, I decided that I was going to hold off preaching the final uh, solar uh, until I had all of your attention. Because this one's the most important. It's also the one that doesn't get as much attention as the others. Uh, God's glory alone is the capstone of the Protestant Reformation and is, in fact, the most important part of that Reformation. And we're going to experience that together today. Um, and I'm going to throw in a little bit of history for you right at the top just because it's my final Sunday here and so... I want to throw in a little bit of history. There was this thing called the Westminster Catechism. Does anyone know what that is? It's a, a catechism is actually a great thing. It's not a dirty word. It's not a Catholic word. Catechism is actually uh, a way of instructing people. You ask a question and then you memorize an answer to do with doctrine. And so uh, it, it's a practice that I think needs to come back simply because a lot of Christians don't know how to answer simple questions about our faith. And, and you can call it catechism, you can call it instruction, you can call it doctrinal training, I don't care what you call it, but we need to start learning some of these foundations. And so in the shortened version of this catechism, the question is, uh, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose? Why are you on this earth? What is that? And they answered that question by making this statement. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The next time you're feeling down and you don't know what your place is in the universe, the next time you're feeling depressed, like everything's going against you and nothing is working, I want you to remember this. What is your purpose? What is your point to being on this earth? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Catechism isn't a, isn't a dirty word. We need to start learning these things about our faith so that when the trials come, we know how to answer these things. And so today what we're going to be looking at is the glory of God. I can say really easily, yeah, your end, you have to glorify God. But what does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, and I think we have this in, an interesting vision sort of version in our head of what glory means. And so today I'm hoping that we're going to spend our time together uh, just in the next few minutes dissecting what the glory of God actually means. Uh, glory, simply by definition, is that God gets the credit. If you want to boil glory down to its most basic, absolute, basic form, is in a situation God gets the credit. Now, if any of you had said amen, we could have gone home right then, but none of you did, so now I get to keep going. This is, the last, this is the last Sunday. I'm going to be as ornery as you possibly get. I'm going to tell as many bad jokes as I can possibly get. And I got the microphone and I can shout louder than anyone in this room. I guarantee it. I can use my open air voice if I have to. 
2 Corinthians 4.15 says this, For it is all your sake, so that as grace extends more and more, pe- uh, and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so we've been looking at these solas, and basically what these solas are broken down, there's five of them, and the first one was scripture alone. So the solas, uh, when in regards to our faith, in regards to our salvation and justification, basically every information that we get comes from Scripture. So it's taught through Scripture alone. It's given by God's grace alone on the basis of Christ alone and received through faith alone. That's what we spent the last four weeks going over, right? Uh, Nikki gave a sermon. Brian gave a sermon. Both of them nailed their points as if I had written the sermons themselves. They couldn't have have made the points that I wanted them to make any better. Uh, And so uh, when you're looking at The process of your salvation, we know that we're saved because Scripture says it, and we know it's by God's grace alone, through Christ alone, and received through faith alone. And here is what we're looking at today, so that all things lead to the glory of God alone. And so your salvation, and you need to hear me really clearly here, your salvation is not for you primarily. It is a secondary purpose. The primary purpose of your salvation is to glorify God. All that you do, it says so in uh, the book of Colossians, let everything that you say in word or deed, do it all for what? The glory of Christ. In fact, uh, in the Bible, (coughs) there are over 400 references to the glory of God. Did you know that? Over 400 references specifically about the glory of God. Things about not sharing God's glory with idols. Things about knowing the glory of God. Knowing about giving credit to where God is. That God will not share his glory with another. And so, for it is all your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So this is uh, 2 Corinthians 4.15. As grace extends to more people, as more people are being saved... So you've got your salvation, and then you go out in the world and you tell others about Jesus. You tell others the good news. That extends salvation to other people. Are you with me so far? This logic is tracking. And so as salvation then extends by grace alone, not grace plus anything else, not grace plus works or grace plus wearing a fancy outfit to church or grace plus a certain amount of songs from the Red Songbook and only a little bit out of the the contemporary worship or maybe too much contemporary and not enough songbook, not grace plus anything, grace alone, the salvation goes to the glory of God. And so as you, as a Christian, take that uh, message of Christ out into this world that, as I said earlier, it desperately needs it. This world is messed up. You don't believe me? Go and walk the streets of Bellingham. (laughs) Bellingham is a beautiful city. It is a wonderful city. I have loved every minute that I've lived in this city. But walk down by the, the Lighthouse Mission. I dare you. And see the darkness and the brokenness that's in this world. And the... The, the sadness and the simple despair that people just a couple of blocks away are living in. And you as a Christian, in your salvation, can extend that to others, that by grace alone, other people are being saved, and that other salvation is bringing glory to God. Ephesians 2, chapter 8, verse 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and all of this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. I think someone just preached a sermon on this passage. 
not so that you can boast. Because if you don't boast in yourself, who do you boast in? God. See, we, we, we look at that word boast and we think it has negative connotations. Oh, he's boastful. It means he's prideful and arrogant. But when you're boasting in God rather than yourself, it's actually not prideful or arrogant, but it's in fact placing the boasting and the glory where it's supposed to be on God for the glory of God alone. And so your salvation, we just read, is not for you that you can boast, but rather so that we can boast in God. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. If you consider your calling, brothers, that not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, but many were of no, not many were of noble birth. This is how, where we're starting here. It's saying, hey guys, guess what? You weren't smart. You weren't powerful. You weren't noble. When God called you into his grace, he sent something called provenient grace. It means the grace that goes before. God softened up the ground for your salvation. Um, Before you were saved and you felt that little tap on the shoulder when you did something wrong, like you knew it was wrong, you didn't know why, something in the back of your head was telling you, no, don't do this, don't don't do it. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the provenient grace of the Holy Spirit, the grace that comes before. Think about it. If the Holy Spirit doesn't exist, where did our... This conscience thing that we have makes no sense. If survival of the fittest is the way that the world should work, why should anything in my own brain tell me not to do something that I want to do? It doesn't make sense. But the provenient grace of the Holy Spirit coming into your life before you know the fullness of the mercy of God comes in, taps you on the shoulder and says, no, don't do that. Don't take the cookie from the cookie jar. But I'm hungry. Yeah, but your mother told you not to take the cookie from the cookie jar. But they're delicious. Don't do it. And then you take the cookie from the cookie jar, your mother finds out, and she gives you a beating. That's the way life works. At least that's the way my life worked. When I was caught. You were not wise. You were not powerful. You were not of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter how uh, dumb you are. It doesn't matter anything about who you are inside, outside. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you stand in society. None of that matters because God still sent that provenient grace into your life so that God could be glorified through your salvation. God looked at you and said, man, this person is weak. This person isn't powerful. This person can't do anything by themselves. I'm choosing them so that when they accomplish the amazing things that I have for them in their lives, when they accomplish the amazing works that I have predestined for them before the foundation of the world, people will look at them and say, not them, Jesus. That's what your salvation is for. Now, the, 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 the side effect of that salvation is great. We get to enjoy God forever. That was the end of the, the Westminster Catechism. Chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That enjoying forever is, is a side benefit, and it's a great side benefit, that when you glorify God, we get to enjoy him forever. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things uh, that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God so that you can't walk into God's presence and say, hey, God, I deserve to be here. 
You don't know. God, weren't you paying attention during the week? On Sunday, I went to church. I tied in the offering. I made sure I sung the songs. When Daryl told me to clap, I clapped. The people standing next to me didn't, God, but I did. And so I deserve to be here. And God looks at you and says, no, 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 no. No, no, that's, that's not the way it works. So that no one can boast. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This entire stri- uh, scripture is about stripping the boastful nature of humanity through our salvation, that our salvation should strip away our boastfulness and our pridefulness and our selfishness and instead put the glory where? On God. To the glory of God alone. Basically, God should get the credit and God should get the glory. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 through 6 says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Your salvation has a purpose. Your salvation isn't meant for you just to sit here on a Sunday and do nothing else with it. Your salvation isn't so that when you die, you get to heaven. You need to do something with it in the meantime. Your faith, your salvation is like a muscle. If you don't do anything with it, it is going to atrophy and die. Have you ever tried to go to the gym? I've tried. Look. My wife will tell you I make it a couple of times and then I tap out. But when I go there and I see people who are there on a regular basis, you know those people who are, they call gym rats. You know, they spend two, three hours at the gym a day and you walk up to them and like they, they, they could bench press me, those types of people. Do you think they started out that way? Do you think they, were, they came out of the womb and were like, yeah, I'm going to bench press this bottle. Yeah, I can do it myself. Right? Or do you think that through training, through repetition, they built their muscles to the point where they can handle more and more and more and more and they can do more and more and more and more. A couple of years ago, my wife came up with this brilliant idea. She said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do Bloomsday as a family. Now, for those of you who don't know, Bloomsday is a walk-slash-run-slash-half-marathon in Spokane. There is a hill that I am not joking. is like this. It is called Doomsday Hill. On one side of the road are people who hold signs. Half of the signs say, you can do it, you can make it, up you go. And the other half say, turn back now before it's too late. <laughs> I appreciate those signs because as I... W- now, knowing me as you all do, do you think I trained for this run slash walk? Absolutely. Every day I was at the gym, I was on the treadmill, I was able to knock it out in just a, in a, in a few hours. It was fat. No. No people. I got into the sun. I started out. I was feeling great for five minutes. And then I looked at my watch and I said, you know what? No. I finished that race. And every year when that family does that marathon, I go to church because I love Jesus. I drop them off at the start of the race. I go to the Salvation Army in Spokane and worship with my friends and family there. And then I pick them up at the end of the race 
and because I always ar uh, arrive home first, my niece and nephew think that I actually win the race every year. I get the rewards without any of the suffering. Your salvation is like a muscle. Your faith is like a muscle. If you are not exercising it by reading the word of God, by praying, by being in fellowship with other believers, by going out into this world and sharing that faith with the people who need it, your muscle is going to atrophy and die and be worthless. Because your salvation is to glorify God. That's its purpose. And if you don't exercise it, you're not bringing glory to God. It's as simple as that. Martin Luther came up with this, and the reformers came up with this, sola, simply because at the time people were giving glory to themselves. Look at me, I'm so great. Look at me, I can do all this. Romans 11, 33 through 36 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how, how unscrutable is his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and uh, to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. And when you look at the the world in which we lived, that we live right now, it is an achievement-based economy. Are you with me on that? Uh, if you don't believe me on that, grab social media. Look through social media, look through Facebook, look through Instagram, and see all the perfect people are on, on there who have perfect lives, who are able to do everything perfectly, and, the, and the, the status that they get because they can live that perfect life. They, they don't live a perfect life, it just looks like that. But we live in achievement-based economy. For a lot of women, it is, uh, you have to be the perfect wife slash mother, right? Uh, you have to always look perfect. Like you step out of the house, you have to prepare for like an hour, two hours beforehand to look good, right? And, and if you don't, then people are going to judge you. Oh man, she didn't try very hard, right? You have to have the perfect children. When you're walking through a grocery store, your children have to be perfect. They're not allowed to yell. They're not allowed to scream. They're not allowed to get sensory overload by all the stuff that's going around. They have to be perfect because if anything, uh, if, if they act or overreact or react to anything, everyone's going to look at you and say, oh man, that's a bad mother. Am I wrong? For gentlemen, it's that there is pressure on us as well. For men, we have to be strong all the time. We're not allowed to show emotion. We're not allowed to show weakness. We have to know all the answers. Someone comes with a question, you've got to know the answer. And if not, well, why don't they? Man, they're not manly enough. They're not tough enough. They're not strong enough. We live in an achievement-based economy. The more you achieve, the greater your currency is. Scripture is antithetical to that. It is completely flipped to that. The Bible has nothing to do with your achievements. God is not impressed with your achievements. The Isaiah says that your righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. That God looks at it and says, you don't, that's not the way this works. Now I had more, but I promised Daryl I was going to, to cut my sermon short. I'll throw people under the bus. It's my last sermon. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. The book of Isaiah says that the prophet had a vision of the Lord. And when he did, 
he looked and he saw the temple opening up and he saw into heaven. And when he did, he saw angels worshipping. He saw heavenly choirs singing and he said that the glory of the Lord descended. Glory is an interesting word in in Hebrew. It's the, the Hebrew word kavod. It doesn't just mean the definition of glory that we've been given here today. Uh, it actually means weight, significance, or presence. And so a lot of the times we use the term glory as significance. You know, we need to give God glory because that is giving significance to his name. But I've always been fascinated with the idea that the, the glory of the Lord also means the presence of the Lord. That where you read sometimes in scripture that it says the glory of the Lord is there, it means that the presence of the Lord is there. And and here's what I want you to remember. That these creatures said, holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with God's glory. And that is the Hebrew word kavod, which means presence. I want you to think about that, that the whole earth is filled with the presence of God. Now, let's do a little bit of math right now. When Moses approached the burning bush and God's presence were there, what did God say to him? Take off your shoes. Take the sandals from your feet for the place you were standing is holy ground. What made the ground holy? Here's your math. What made the ground holy? God's presence. So if the whole earth is filled with the presence of God, does that not mean that you and I are walking on holy ground every single minute of every single day. What's different is that we need to become aware of the presence of God in the everyday. Here's how it all connects together. Your salvation is meant to be exercised to go from this place out there. And in the moments that the Holy Spirit prepares beforehand, that we read before the foundation of the world, things were prepared in advance for you to do, that God's presence is going with you. A lot of the times we get scared, we get nervous. I can't talk to people about Jesus. What if I don't have the right words? What if I mess up? What if I'm not articulate enough? Moses said the exact same things to God himself, in case you're wondering, so you're in good company. But God said, no, 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 don't worry. Take the sandals from your feet because where you're standing is holy ground. I'm going with you. When the Israelites went through the desert, it said that the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord went with them. Psalms over and over and over again says that the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The presence of the Lord is going to be with you wherever you go so that whatever you do in word or deed, you can give glory to God the Father. And so that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the opportunity that I have had personally to minister here in Bellingham. I pray, Lord, that as we all leave this place, that we understand that your very presence goes with us that your Holy Spirit infills our lives and saturates us with such a way that we can exercise our faith and take our salvation out of this building and witness to a dark, hurting, and broken world. That when we get there, 
Lord, that you will be the voice, that you will be the words, that we can give glory and honor to you and to you alone. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. We pray all these things in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the praise and worship team back up, and we are going to end with send the fire, because the fire of the Holy Spirit needs to be with you as you go out. If you go out and try and do this thing by yourself, alone, without God, without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you it's going to fail. You can, you can have the best plan, you can have the best everything, but without the Holy Spirit, you are going to fail. And so what you need is the fire of the Holy Spirit, the God of cleansing, burning flame needs to be with you as you go out. So let's sing this song. Uh, it, is, it should be...